tire inflation, super selective weed spraying, and recording weather on the go. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. Recently, John Deere rolled out a big stack of new equipment. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. We covered the initial launch, and then we got the chance to spend some time with dear folks at a media event in Iowa. With so much to cover, we're digging down to look at a few different areas this time out. Let me start first with the exact rate tanks for the 8RX tractor. The 1,000-gallon tank add-ons to that four-track machine can boost productivity, and it's also designed only for that tractor and will be a field add-on in 2022 if you already own one of those machines or a factory option. But in all the hubbub about the exact rate tanks, and let's just say Twitter followers did have a few interesting ideas for further uses of those tanks, which I won't discuss here, it's easy to miss other innovations. One that caught our eye, and it's a topic I've been covering for nearly a decade, is the idea of keeping tires properly inflated. The 8 Series tractor, the wheeled models, for 2022 can be optioned with a central tire inflation system, but what does that mean? Aaron Tigner, who works in the product marketing area for large horsepower tractors at Deere, helped me delve into that issue and what it means for farmers. And this system has some interesting features. After that, we are going to look at the CN Spray Select system. And while it's starting out for Chem Fellow out west, the implementation is fascinating. But first, let's chat with Aaron Tickner. Talking to Aaron Tickner, who's product manager for large tractors at John Deere. And a lot of stuff's been introduced here, but I want to narrow it down to one area that I think um, has some maybe broader application even going forward and maybe even other lines. But that would be bringing a CTIS to the wheeled versions of the 8R series. Talk to me about what can, what uh, CTIS actually is. What does that stand for and what does it mean to the farmer? Yeah, sure. So with John Deere CTIS, it's a central tire inflation system. And essentially what that boils down to, Willie, is uh, an onboard compressor, um, uh, integrated um, wheel valves and, and plumbing to the tires um, and essentially allows customers to um, make f- uh, you know fine tire pressure adjustments um, on the fly that's on the road, in the field, um, having the ability to, to have that ideal tire pressure uh, at all times. So uh, a hardware set, and then, of course, controlled by the, uh, the display in the cab. So no additional tools required to, to make those adjustments, just everything on the tractor. So it's great to know that you can talk about that uh, and, and set the tire. How do I know what pressures to set at, and how does, does the system help me with that, or do I just look it up in a book and enter it? Sure. We're, I mean, we're always going to default to the, to the operator's manual for uh, kind of a comprehensive listing of applications and tire pressure recommendations. So we're always going to default to that. But um, we do have, uh, uh, you know, maybe additional guidance for through tire manufacturers and, and things of that sort. So you always want to follow those specifications um, to, to make sure you're in that ideal range. Uh, the system itself is, though, very intuitive. It'll show you the, uh, the exact pressure um, on front and rear axles or per tire, and uh, you'll be able to, to make those fine adjustments from the cab. And that's kind of cool from this standpoint. It integrates fully with the Generation 4 display, which is cool. We step back a little bit. We, we need this technology because the newest tires perform best if you can get them set properly both for road and in the field. Yeah, I think you make a good point there, Willie, is, is you know, with the evolution of tire technology, um, we want to offer a, a solution in our tractors so customers can, you know, not only maximize that technology, but also make it very, very easy to do. And I think that's where CTIS really drives 
the benefit is is being able to make those easy adjustments um, to 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 really to keep up with all the technology within the tire. We brought this to the 8R series, which is a, a, a real workhorse tie, uh, model in Deer. I don't. I know Deer doesn't talk about going to the future, but is this something you're you're watching to see if there's opportunity in other levels in this, like seven series or nines or whatever? Yeah, sure. Customer feedback and things like that are always on our radar. We always take that, you know, very seriously. And so I think uh, initially getting this in the 8R is a very good first step. Um, learn some things about that system and then see how we can evolve that into two other products. You know, one thing I want to kind of bring up that we haven't talked about is um, with this system is we do have a, an, an additional uh, capability in that sense. We have a, a unique onboarding and offboarding coupler. So for customers that are interested in expanding CTIS, let's say, beyond their 8R tractor to maybe a planter or some implement, um, you can actually offboard air from our system to a CTIS system on on, on an implement. So that's a unique feature that we see is now providing not only on the tractor, but also a unique benefit as a total system uh, uh, to be able to adjust that tire pressure. Does that mean that the implement would have to have its own air compressor, though, and you're just coupling for uh, connection and readability, or what does that mean? You could use our uh, our onboard compressor from the tractor to uh, to air up the tires on the on the implement as well. Um, so it's all all fully integrated that way. Or you can offboard air from a uh, uh, or onboard air, excuse me, from an implement mounted compressor or an additional compressor mounted on the tractor. You can manage that both ways. Yeah, in, there's from multiple the ways to approach that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, theoretically, if you have a central tire inflation system on your implement, um, you could utilize just that one port off the back of the tractor and use all the tractor hardware set. Yeah, I I was trying to think of where, you know, I saw that in some of the information I got earlier about this, and I was wondering how best to use that, but I'm thinking manure spreaders and manure tanks would be a big area because they do run VF and IF tires, right? Yeah, tire technology is is super important to those customers, and they're operating in kind of some of those those conditions where uh, you can go from uh, very important to run a higher pressure in transport, and then, of course, get into some some pretty uh, soft field conditions as well where you want to drop that pressure down. So I think that, yeah, those applications, it's going to be a, a very big win for those customers. I was watching the Q&A during Commodity Classic, and one question, a couple of questions came up, and I wanted to replay them here so anybody who missed that can hear this. Number one, the speed, inflation and deflation is a certain speed. You can tell me that. The other question is, can I do it on the go? When I'm coming into the field, can I hit the button? And can I leave the field and hit the button, but I don't have to stop and wait? How does that work? Yeah, that's right. It would be um, really the the system will operate um, – whether you're stationary or or moving so uh customers if they want to say okay i'm making my last pass here i'm going to start airing up my tires to 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 my transport inflation pressure uh they can can do that right or um, wait on the field edge as you fold an implement or something so there's there's multiple ways that customers can do that but we're offering it on the fly or uh in in the static uh, environment so it's about two psi a minute well, I mean, the, the whole idea of CTIS is I've, I've been spending money on these VF and IF tires, and I'm really not getting the benefit. So this is an opportunity to get better wear on the road and better traction and, and flotation in the in the field, right? That's the basic answer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's really as simple as that is, is making it easy for customers to hit that ideal pressure where they're on the field or the road and really get the biggest benefit out of, I'd say, their tires, but then, of course, the, the detractor as well. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, sir, and appreciate your time. Thanks, Aaron Tickner from John Deere for helping us out with CTIS. And thanks to Aaron Tickner for his insights on how a central tire inflation system will work. And it looks like this system on the 8R 
It's got some interesting features. Major tire makers who have launched those VF and IF tires over the years also know the value of these systems. It can add tire life. Like many of you, we wanted to know more about how the Sea and Spray Select works and what it will mean out west. Let's start that conversation with Ryan Steen, who works in product marketing for application equipment, about that new system. I'm catching up with Ryan Steen with John Deere Product Manager for Sea and Spray. It's actually a lot of buzz about this product, but some of us, like myself, have been writing about Sea and Spray since the first early Blue River models before Deere bought the company. But today, you actually have something you're showing us. Well, it's a little windy to actually see it but <laughs> while we're here, but you're actually showing us this in an actual commercial application. So talk to me about what CNC Spray Select is, and I know it's not for everybody yet, but what does it mean? Yeah, so CNC Spray Select is our, our first step in the CN Spray journey. And so CN Spray Select leverages cameras and processors that are mounted on our self-propelled sprayer boom to detect green from brown. And then when that green's detected, to turn on the correct nozzle and spray only that green that's detected. So yeah, you mentioned there's cameras on the boom. There's a camera every meter. For those of you from America, it's three feet. But anyway, every three feet on a 120-foot boom, that's what, how many cameras? It'd be 36 cameras. And, and does it just have to be on the 120-foot boom, or is it on, can I buy it for different booms? Yeah, it's available on any of our uh, steel booms today. So our 90, 100, and 120-foot steel booms. Okay. So that camera's a forward-facing camera with a nozzle behind it because it's, it's on the forward edge of that boom as it's going through the field. Talk to me about what's actually happening. What's that camera doing for me? What's happening on the sprayer? Yeah, you bet. So we think about what's happening on that sprayer. We have our self-propelled sprayer. You know, think about that boom. It's going through the field up to 12 miles per hour. So on a 120-foot uh, steel boom, we're inspecting over 2,000 square feet every single second. So think about a modest-sized house. Every inch of it is being looked at in a second. Uh, that when a green is detected, when that camera sees green, uh, a, a message is sent from our onboard processors that are mounted on the boom to a nozzle to turn on to spray. So that's from the time that weed is detected when we're going 12 miles per hour to the time the, the liquid spray hits the ground is under 200 milliseconds. So li literally the blink of an eye is the time to make that decision, turn on the nozzle, and for that liquid to hit the ground. So obviously it's easy for me to say, and I have written this, that you kind of pick the low-hanging fruit of sea and spray, green versus brown. Uh, we all know that the technology is out there, the AI technology, artificial intelligence is out there. But the idea is that when, when you look at that tech from where the experimental unit is and where you are today, this is an excellent, this is the starting point for sea and spray at John Deere. Yeah, this is really that tip of the spear, and, and you mentioned it, Willie. This is the, um, you know, the lower hanging fruit. It's a production system in the small grain sense where we're trying to control that weed pressure on fallow ground. Think about your chem and summer fallow practices that happen on the front range of the Rockies. Uh, the Pacific Northwest has some of those pockets, so so really helps those customers address a core problem, and then it starts to lay that foundational work for getting in crop with artificial intelligence and really detecting weed from crop. And that's really the next frontier is that in-season work and unlocking that value for other production systems on the way. Now, we're not there yet, but let's back up for chem fallow for a minute because, great, that's chem fallow. I mean, what am I getting by using sea and spray on, to kill just the green stuff in that field? What's the benefit of this system? Yeah, so when, when we look at chem fallow and summer fallow as a, as a practice, you're really trying to control that weed pressure when the ground isn't in productive use to conserve soil moisture along the way you know, and keep battling back that weed pressure. Um, so in those situations, traditionally, we broadcast that field, use 100% herbicide across the boom to get the coverage. 
going forward now we're cutting that by an average of 77 percent so we've we sprayed about 75,000 acres in full productive use with the system we're averaging about a 77 percent reduction um, in those types of applications so that's dollars straight to the the grower's pocket when we start reducing that herbicide and we start to have some more interesting conversations too right so now if i'm cutting back my volume by 77 percent what can I do from a tank mix complexity? Can I add another mode of action? Can I get a more aggressive kill? And what we start to see is a better control of weeds with less overall volume of chemicals because we're putting out a more targeted approach on how we attack the weeds that are there. Yeah, I suppose the idea out there, let's hammer that kochia any way I can. Because kochia is, of course, oh, yeah. a number one resistant weed out there. But if I can hit it with multiple modes of action and still save money because I'm putting down 77% less, uh, or that's the way it's applied, Big deal. Huge deal. Absolutely. So when I look at that, though, the other side of it is, and that's the interesting thing about this sprayer design, a CN spray sprayer, the original, that was just all it was. It was just a, basically an inkjet sprayer against weeds. This is actually on a 400 or 600 series John Deere sprayer for model year 22. This is a regular sprayer with exact apply nozzles, right? So I don't have to use it as a CN spray sprayer. Yeah, that, that's really the cool part about this. We think about building blocks of technology. Having exact apply as that foundation lets us go back to a, a, a best-in-class broadcast machine, highly productive use of broadcast is still a big part of spraying, and that's, that's not going to go away overnight. So having the ability to broadcast spray and use your targeted spray um, really just by going in the, to the Gen 4 command center, making the adjustments for the job, and keeping productive is, is really the incredibly unique part about the John Deere solution. You made a comment uh, and when we were doing our first walk around of this today. The, the, you know, usually when I see a coverage map on my, my – when I go into my operations center coverage maps after I've done my as-applied as work, usually it's just a nice – lots of swaths of sprayer going through the field. That's not what I'm going to see when I look at this sea and spray report, right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So what you'll see, and you go into the John Deere Operations Center and you look at your spray report, um, what you'll see is a, a map, an application map. And instead of having a bunch of green across that map when you hit your target rate, what you'll see is a lot of gray. So we added a gray scale on there, and the gray means area was not applied. So that will show very clearly where we did not put spray down at or where your John Deere sprayer did not spray. Um, and then you'll also have access to the total gallons that were applied. So, again, it goes back to a, a grower making informed decisions and knowing what happened on that field, exactly where it happened on the field. So is it a little bit of Jackson Pollock? Is that what I'm looking at? A lot of blotches and spots rather than seeing a full broad coverage? Yeah, a lot of checkerboards across the area. You bet. <laughs> the, the, the more gray, the better. So let's back up to the sprayer itself. We've got these cameras. They're every every meter along the, the front, and they look, they're look they small. You actually kind of have to look for them. That surprised me. But then there are some boxes on this sprayer. There's some brains on the spray boom, right? That's what that's about? Yeah, so there's uh, processors that are mounted on that boom. Uh, they're mounted on the backside of the boom, and those are making those decisions in real time. So that's where you know the algorithms are located to make the decision, and then that sends the signal back to the nozzle, turn on. And then after the nozzle turns on, it's really business as usual as the system works. You know, the solution pump is still pushing flow out through the boom. We're still documenting where that trigger happened. So it's really just a, a fundamental building block approach on how we stack that technology onto our existing machine. One of the secrets is that's a pr always under pressure, and that's how the, the, the pulse modulation works with the exact apply anyway. But I just thought of something, and that is this is an algorithm that's in here now to do green versus brown. 
So let's say you come up with a row crop version and I already own this spray boom. How hard is it going to be for me to update it? Can I update this through JD Link? Is that what you guys are thinking about when we add more capability? You know, right, right now we're kind of taking it as we as we approach the technology. What does it take? And if um, you know this technology works really well on our steel boom, uh, you think you talked about you know the it's low hanging fruit. I think because right. you put it really to start off the bat, so the processing power much lower. Uh, the steel oh, booms okay. develop technology, so it can carry that load. We'll have to continue to see as we look at technology that gets developed and what processing power is needed how we may have to adjust the machine form itself to execute the job of application. Um, you know, this we're looking at non-residual herbicide use only. If you start stacking in a residual herbicide with it, um, there's some of these building blocks that may need to be a further look at down the road. Well, and, and that's true too. And you, you always have this, you're walking this line in engineering of how much to spend on processing power because it, it can be expensive. Yeah. So yeah, it, it probably would be a big change for the, the spray boom if you move to a different, more capable thing. But the other side of this is we're getting to the point where we're probably going to think about what we can apply using this this boom. And I go back to that 77%. It's like if you have a $100,000 fertile chemical bill last year, if you put this on and you're in Campfellow, you have a $23,000 chemical bill. I mean, just a number. It's pretty crazy when you put the numbers to it. From an engineering standpoint, you've been testing this. You did the 75,000 acres. Um, anything else a farmer should know about this, or is it just turn it on and run? I mean, there, there's always setup. There's always yeah. things to do to get a machine working. So I don't think there's any machine. I'm not, go that, I'm not going that far. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, like that, that is the beauty of the John Deere system um, and the integration is that the settings are on the display. It's the setup is integrated into our exact apply display as it is our exact apply setup like it would be today. Um, so th there's a, a lot of things to be excited about. We've tested it. The machines are tested in the target markets too. Mm -hmm. So a lot of wheat stubble, a lot of fallow cornfield stubbles from the previous years in Western Kansas, yeah. a lot of machines running in uh, Southern Canada and Alberta, um, some in Australia too. So you know, if you have questions about would this work in my application, have confidence that when John Deere tests the product, it's tested in the markets that we intend to sell it to. Well, and that brings up a good point, too. You you tested it in some areas that are pretty dusty. And cameras don't like dust. So how did you keep that working? Yeah, I think that's a, one thing that is really nice again about the John Deere system is we put in alerts that would tell an operator, hey, if you have dust on your camera, the camera has visibility. This is the camera. Go wipe it clean. It's no different than wiping the backup camera on your vehicle clean, right? If it's got slush and snow or just coming out of the winter, you just wipe it off, and all of a sudden it's super clear to see. Um, we don't really see that come up more than once a day. It's, it's typical to just go down, wipe the camera off quick. Um, but for the by and large, it's been a very, very simple. And, and Willie, yeah, you have the benefit of getting to walk out and see the machine, too. Those cameras are tucked in flush with the boom. So yes. uh, it does help knock down the dust quite a bit just based on how tightly those cameras are tucked into the boom. That's true. And, you know, we have a saying in our house when we're talking about that backup camera, we're thumbing the cameras, just running your thumb across them. <laughs> but that makes point. When you're going out to do your grease work for the day or whatever your first maintenance is when you start the spare, just walk along with a rag and just wipe the cameras down to start up. Yeah, you know, a lot of folks with the front fill have the boom unfolded when they fill up. You're tendering, take the time, walk down, wipe off the cameras, and it's, you know, in that five to six minutes you spend tendering the machine, you can have all the cameras wiped off and keep rolling. Well, Ryan Steen, I appreciate your time talking about Sea and Spray Select, the first of the first step in a journey for Sea and Spray in a commercial application at John Deere. And I think we look forward to some very interesting things ahead, right? Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to chatting with you in the future, Willie. <laughs> Thanks very much. Yep, you bet. Thanks to Ryan Steen for that background on the Sea and Spray Select, but we wanted to know a little more, so we turned to Kayleen Ballesteros, who's also in product marketing for Sea and Spray. 
She worked in the field with farmers testing the machine on those 75,000 acres, and we got her perspective on how the tech works and how farmers can maximize that technology even in Camfallow. We're continuing our conversation on Sea and Spray and Sea and Spray Select, which is a tongue twister in my mind. But anyway, I'm talking now with Kayleen Ballesteros, who's also on the marketing side for Sea and Spray. But I wanted to talk to you. We had a great talk with Ryan. But to follow on that, you had this machine in the field mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of years working with some farmers on the Front Range and Australia and that. What do, what do farmers think of this, actually yeah. getting to use it? Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple things that I think is really cool to see from farmers. One is that you can sit in the cab, look over your shoulder, and see that it's working. Um, that That's sometimes the challenge, right, with technology. It seems to be hidden, and you're not really sure. Uh, so, so you can actually see each plant being sprayed. Um, that's the first thing. The other thing is, is immediately when you're spraying, you can look into your op center and you, it's like instant gratification. You can see who doesn't want that. Um, you can see an op center right there in the cab that the area of, um, that is being applied. You can compare that to previous years to really understand what type of, uh, chemical savings that you are unlocking with this. So when you first got this thing going in, uh, the couple of years ago, working in the field on a test, you weren't at 12 miles an hour, were you? I mean, you were, you're at 12 miles an hour is going to be the recommended operating speed for this when it comes to market next year. Yeah. What speeds were you operating, operating at early on, and what do the farmers think of that? And what, I'm sure they'll be happy at 12, but what were you learning? Yeah, yeah. So we, we've, we've tried a little bit of it all. <laughs> we <laughs> want to we push the limits where we can, right? We want to make sure farmers aren't being limited and that they're getting as many acres done in a day that they can. But through the testing, ultimately, um, it was the best the best quality that could be provided at that 12 miles per hour. Obviously, follow chemical labels and all of that as well to make sure that you're, you're abiding by, by what's needed on that basis. But um, 12 miles an hour, and the coolest thing about that is, is it's not necessarily machine speed, it's nozzle speed. So if you're at the end of a roll and you're spinning around, your sprayer might be going a little bit slower, but that nozzle's going faster. Mm-hmm. And it can detect if your nozzle's going faster than, than 12 miles an hour. And it will, it will revert back. It'll, you have the option to revert back to fallback mode, which is either go back to broadcast or just stop. So right. it's pretty neat. Cool. So one thing, though, and, and uh, conversations come up about this, you're applying about 23% of the product you would normally apply through on a pass because 77% savings. I'm doing the backward math. Sure. But that changes tendering. Yeah. So is that sprayer at 8 miles an hour as productive as a, some guy running at 16? I mean, I wonder about that, too, in terms of just the speed of tendering. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a combined value that we're looking at here. So 12 miles an hour um, and about 20 minutes, two, two different tendering times a, a day, right. 20 minutes each. Um, but, yeah, that could vary if your speed's going up or if what your tank size is. And there's a lot of other different variables that, that can play into there, but that's just a, a – an average scenario that we're able to provide. We do have um, a calculator that can be used that if some a customer is interested, go into your dealer and they can help you kind of better understand what that time value from a tendering perspective could provide you in your operation. But you could also make the argument if it's all on sea and spray, I would be tendering a whole lot less than I would under broadcast too. Oh. So I ought to be able to just keep on going. For sure. Absolutely. And it depends how many passes you do. Right. Really, um, that's why it's it's different with every operation. But if you're just doing one pass, or if you're doing five passes, and some people can justify doing more passes because they have more time be- with C and Spray Select. So yeah, absolutely. And then we've talked a little bit about this, but let's talk a little more. Um, we can use more complex tank mixes yeah. if I'm spending 
putting on less volume because I'm putting obviously I'm only hitting the weed. I can be more more crazy with my combos legally following label directions. But is that what you're seeing too? Is that what some of the farmers came up with as they talk to you? Yeah, yeah. There's been several studies published that say that um, spraying weeds with more complex chemicals with more than two modes of action um, are actually less resistant, 83 times, in, in fact, less resi- um, resistant to, to herbicides. So that's the long-term goal, right, is, is just to make sure that you're not only doing the short-term need, but making sure you're doing something that's benefiting you in the future as well and, and not developing that resistancy. So uh, farmers seem to be excited about it. Honestly, cooperators and service providers, that's also something that um, is valuable to them too. So if there was one take-home message you wanted to give to farmers today about Sea and Spray Select, yeah. what's the message you'd – and let's assume they're in chem fallow country, not yes, some guy sure. in central Illinois. Let's hit the market. What's the message you really want him to hear when we're talking about this tech? First, herbicide savings. That's the first thing. Not only um, it, can it be looked at as uh, being a steward of the land, but you're also able to pro- – provide yourself a little bit of that cost flexibility and doing other things in your operation. The other part of it is, is, is purely the integration part. That's what makes us unique from other, from other competitors that have a similar technology to this is we're fully integrated. Our components, our plumbing, um, all of this is done in factory as an in-factory option. So um, you're able to get that calibrated from us. Uh, and you have the John Deere support that's needed from that, as well as the op center and documenting and analyzing in the cab. You don't get that from anybody else. Kayleen Ballesteros, thanks very much for your time. This is a very exciting time for Sea and Spray finally starting on the journey. Thanks. Thank you. Switching gears a bit, I want to talk about another tool that caught our eye during the big rollout. While it's not exactly new, it's getting growing attention, and that's John Deere Mobile Weather. Joel Basinger, who's the go-to-market manager for application equipment at John Deere, shared some insight on that tool and how it could make a difference for farmers. We're catching up with Joel Basinger um, with John Deere. He's a go-to-market manager for sprayer and application equipment. And we've talked about a lot of things and covered a lot of the big deals with the new Hagee sprayer and the new 400 and 500, 400 and 600 series Deere sprayers. But there's one little option in there that maybe I hadn't heard of and and maybe I have and just want to dig into it a little more. And it's, it's onboard weather. And I'm like, that sounds like a great idea for a sprayer, but tell me what that is and what, what I might use it for. Sure. It's an a onboard weather station that mounts on top of the cab, integrates into our, our sprayer, integrates into our documentation app. It'll measure wind speed, wind direction, relative humidity, and delta T, which is you know temperature threshold, mm-hmm. so we can look at <clears throat> potential inversion tables. Measures all that, documents it, so with your as-applied map, you also have that map layer of weather information. Then you can also use wirelessly transmit that data to our operations center, and you have that documented record of the weather that was going on. And the other thing that's pretty cool about it is, you know, you're driving at, say, 15 miles an hour. It compensates for that. So it, can, it t- tells you actual wind speed at the nozzle. So your nozzle's moving wind spe- at 15 miles per hour. If you have a headwind, what is that wind speed at the nozzle? So we can look at, you know, is there drift potential? You know, do I have a potential crop to the southeast and, I, you know, my wind changes directions and now it could be downwind of what I'm spraying. So it gives that live feedback to the operator as they're spraying their chemicals in the field. And 
makes it easy to record all that rather than having to log it or check a weather station somewhere or anything like that. And it's in that field because it's live weather. Exactly. It's geo-referenced. You know, it's exactly where you're at at the time. All you do is, you know, set up your client farm field, what you're spraying, and it's there. There's nothing else you have to do other than spray the field. So why isn't that on all the sprayers? (laughs) So, I mean, it is an option, right. and the, the take rate is going up. Okay. Um, over the years, we've tweaked it, and the accuracy is, I mean, originally it was, uh, we weren't able to record the data, okay. so it was just live. And in the last uh, couple of years, we got it where it is now recording, and that's really where you have the added value. Right. It's not just spur of the moment making the decision what the weather is. It's you have the documented information uh, for, for your records. Okay, so... Ag service providers, the custom applicators, mm-hmm. I would think they'd be an initial market. But do you see some farmers doing some uptake rate on the on farmers with this too? So it, definitely, and especially in win- areas well, like today where <laughs> it's so windy um, and where you have issues with drift and things like that. And, and it's been an issue that we're really seeing the big take rates uh, go up on it. So this temperature inversion tables, that's obviously that's an issue with a specific product which we will not, not to be named here. But is that something that this has gotten more and more interest to? Is that what you're hearing? Well, exactly. Since that technology has increased, you know, the use of that uh, with around, you know, United States everywhere, cotton, corn, soy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's probably one reason why take rates are going up. I want to say it's because we're giving great information, (laughs) but uh, there could be, you know, more of a market pressure for that. Okay. So, yeah, so it's an actual weather station mounted on the cab, integrates. Do I see it in my Gen 4 or does it just go to the cloud? How does that work? So you can see the instantaneous information on the Gen, on the Gen 4 display. You can see all those numbers there on a, on a run page even if you'd like to. And then you'll get a map in the operations center created uh, from either downloading your data or the wireless uh, transmission. Can this create alerts? I mean, probably not yet, but does this do alerts of when things have turned on me? So it actually it will. Uh, on the screen, say, um, say you've got a crop to the southeast that's susceptible. Mm-hmm. You can set a, an alert oh. that if the wind speed changes direction so it's downwind now, it'll flash up you know, with a red warning telling you wind speeds change direction. So giving you the ability to stop what you're doing, maybe go spray a different field that doesn't have that susceptible neighbor crop. I think that there's a lot of problem solving that this brings up that maybe people haven't thought about before. But it, obviously, like you said, if you couldn't record with it, it was just pretty lights on the screen, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's actually a better tool, uh, a record keeping tool and a decision making tool. So we're calling it onboard weather. That's what it's called? Uh, mobile weather. Mobile weather. Yep. Okay. John Deere mobile weather. Okay. No fancy name, just John Deere mobile weather, not forecaster in your pocket or anything like that. Keep, keeping it simple. <laughs> simple for us guys. That's probably not a bad idea for us journalists, too. Anyway, all right, we've been talking to Joel Basinger, the go-to-market manager for application equipment at John Deere. Thanks for your time. Thanks for yours. And if you want more information, see your John Deere dealer or check us out on Deere.com. Better tire use, more information about a super precise sprayer technology in action, and a recording weather information on the go. Technology deployed in agriculture, frankly, never ceases to amaze. Thanks to Aaron Tickner, Ryan Steen, Kayleen Ballesteros, and Joel Basinger for their information and insight on all these new tools at John Deere. Also, a special thanks to Joel Basinger for getting in that sales hook right at the end. You've been listening to Around Farm Progress, our weekly look at agriculture across the United States with editors from Farm Progress and also from experts in the industry. 
Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands as well as farm futures, beef, national hog farmer, and feedstuffs, and the new Farm Progress virtual experience. You can still catch up on that event by visiting farmprogressshow.com to get direct connection to the virtual experience where you can also find all those field demos. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.